0: Today I am joined by father and filmmaker Olivier Bernier. Olivier and his wife Hildy created the award-winning documentary, Forget Me Not, Inclusion in the Classroom, which follows their journey as they fight for the right for their son Emilio with Down syndrome to be educated alongside children with disabilities in the New York City public schools. The film aims to break down the social and systemic barriers that routinely segregate and hide children with intellectual disabilities from society. Today, Olivier is going to provide guidance on how we can address the inequities in the education, education system for our children too. Welcome Olivier, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, can you start with just a little backstory? What inspired you to create this documentary?
1: Sure. Well, my journey started when my son was born uh, a few years ago with Down syndrome. Um, At the time, uh, you know, I was a little naive and I I didn't know really what Down syndrome was. And when I started to think about it, I realized that I'd never really spent time with anyone that had Down syndrome. And um, that kind of led me on the journey to learning about inclusive education and how um, how it can impact a student's life.
0: Yeah. And so what were you finding that led you to say, we need to do a documentary on this?
1: Well, it was pretty organic. I, you know, prior to Emilio being born, I was a filmmaker and a storyteller. So I knew pretty immediately that I wanted to do something with my skill set that could impact Emilio's future and children like him. So I didn't know, uh, what type of story I would be telling or you know what the journey would look like but I knew I wanted to do something and then the opportunity came about to do a film about inclusive education and I thought well this is great uh you know Emilio was about two years old at the time and I said well you know I'm pretty sure Emilio is going to be included because that's where we're at in the world all students are being included (laughs) and little did I know uh you know the the journey turned out a little different. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So what were you surprised to find out? Like, what were you expecting to happen? What actually happened?
1: Well, you know, like I was saying earlier, I went to school in the 90s, and we just didn't see children with disabilities. They were segregated from us. And, um, you know, I didn't have that experience. And when my own son was born, I was really unprepared for him. But I had thought living in New York, being a very progressive city, I thought, you know, we had kind of moved beyond that. And um, our schools were more inclusive. And what I found immediately was that there was a really strong resistance to include Emilio in the general education system. Um, Emilio, you know, he wears his disability. You can see that he has Down syndrome. And I think immediately they tried to to put him in a segregated setting. And, uh, you know, that became a large part of the film was just trying to have him included um, through the IEP process.
0: Yeah. And that is, I mean, there's a lot of us that, for different reasons, are within the IEP process, right? The whole IEP system. I am too, with my child. So I kind of know some of what that's like, where we're trying to get them the support they need, but also not label them or stigmatize them, right? And it's a, it's a true struggle to create those, bridge that gap, right? What was the, some of the resistance specifically that you were met with when it came to Emilio?
1: Well, I felt like when we first um, walked into the IEP meeting, first of all, there's a battery of evaluations that um, most students with IEPs will undergo if they have a significant disability, especially. And, um, you know, these evaluations are very brief and uh, very nerve wracking for the parents, uh, you know, to, Timilio, it's more like playtime. Um, but, you know, based on that performance and that one hour evaluation period is really going to determine the trajectory of your child and um, for a large part of their life, especially at, you know, two and a half. So um, when we went into the IP meeting, you know, they they basically showed us a bell curve. And they said, your child doesn't fit on the curve. And because of that, he doesn't belong in a general education classroom. That's, you know, basically the short of it. And um, it was heartbreaking. It was absolutely uh, gut-wrenching to think that Emilio's entire trajectory was being kind of decided in this moment. Because at least in New York and in most places in the country, once you're put in a segregated setting, there's almost... No way out of it. Um, It's very, very rare, especially for a child with a significant disability. Um, But we knew that we wanted to put a line in the sand right there and um, and, you know, fight for his inclusion. And that's what the film's about.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And so thinking now, when you're when you're projecting forward, because you've got years of this, right, and it's going to constantly be a step and a step and a step. what are you kind of foreseeing or what do you know now that's going to help you move forward that we can learn from?
1: I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned since the first IEP meeting is that it's it shouldn't be parents versus school districts. It it shouldn't be a battle. It should really be, be a collaboration. And, you know, instead of asking why can't my child be included? I've kind of tried to shift the focus, and a large part is Emilio's advocate has helped me see it this way, um, Sarah Jo. She's um, given me the perspective of how can we work with the school district to meet the needs of Emilio so that he can participate in the general education class and and be his best self.
0: I love that approach because we're not making anyone the bad guy. We're not putting blame on anyone. We're saying, let's work together to find a solution that works. And that is that is beautiful. And I think that happens a lot right now with schools. And I know when people talk about IEP programs in particular, it feels like a battle, like they're they're fighting for what their child needs and going in with that mentality does not open up doors, right? It really kind of leaves us both frustrated, everyone frustrated, but going in saying, okay, this is what I need for my child. I don't even know what I need for my child. Like, let's leave that open because I'm not sure what they offer, right? Mm -hmm. Is that kind of how you went? Like, tell me, let's work together. What are the options?
1: Right, I I think, you know, We said the base understanding of that, you know, there's hundreds of studies that show that students do better in inclusive settings. There's not one study that shows they do better in a segregated setting. Um, Let's start there. Let's start with inclusion and let's see how we can best achieve it. Um, Now, as you mentioned earlier, I know this is something that we're going to go through every single year with Emilio Um, and every year around May, when his IEP comes up, you know, my stomach starts to turn and I start to think about um what happens if we don't if we don't win this year, if we don't get what we need for Emilio. Um, you know, and that that's something very real. And it it's it is unfortunate that children with disabilities have to have to um, you know, advocate to just to be included. You know, it's um but that's where we're at. And I think there's some school districts that do it really well and some that have um have not seen the light. As far as inclusion goes.
0: So the people that the school districts that do it well what are they doing differently?
1: Well we spent a lot of time in Boston actually. Um, There's a wonderful school in Boston called the Henderson Inclusion School and it's a public school um, grade uh, preschool through grade 12 and there's not a single student that's in a segregated setting in the entire school. the school was founded with the principle that children should learn with each other and from each other. And now it's one of the most successful schools in Boston and they have um, a rate of disability. I believe it's somewhere around 40% and about 20% of those students have significant disabilities, Um, but they don't bat an eye on it. Uh, They spend their time problem solving and seeing how they can, uh, you know, solve the challenges that the students have.
0: So how do we help our kids who are, have an IEP, whatever, wherever on the spectrum that is, how do we help them feel like they belong in a system that stigmatizes them and separates them?
1: I, I think that's what you just touched on is one of the most important parts of inclusive education is that we're not, um, Yes, academics, really important, but school is so much more than just academics. School is really your first entrance into society. So right away, you're determining a child's self-worth. They're they're seeing the way the world treats them, and that's going to reflect on how they um, act in the world. So I think when you really look at a classroom, it should really mirror the society we want to live in, where everyone can participate and everyone can be part of it. And, you know, there's no, um, there's no question Emilio, my son, will not uh, achieve the academic level that some other students in the class might. Um, we're okay with that. You know, our, our goal is to make a great human, um, a well-rounded human. And, you know, that's um, we look at it from that, from that viewpoint.
0: Yeah. I think the, the opposing view that I hear, and I would love to hear, like, how you address this and you probably already know what it is, right? For the kids that are in the classroom that don't have the disabilities and want to move at a pace, right? There's arguments or concerns from mainly the parents, right? That having kids with disabilities are gonna slow them down or take attention away from their kids. What, how do we address that concern?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's a lot to that. And I, I think first of all, a lot of that mentality comes from people like me before I before I had my child, because I would have thought the same thing, to be honest yeah. with you. And uh it really comes from an old mindset. But really, when you look at what an inclusive classroom looks like, there's multiple adults in the classroom. So, you know, as opposed to having one teacher teaching in front of a classroom, there's uh multi- maybe two, three teachers. Um paras in the classroom. And then what you also get is a different style of teaching. You have uh, multiple ways to access the information in the classroom. So even if your child's very high, um, you know, on that bell curve, like they showed us in the first IEP meeting. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's
0: a yeah. great feeling, isn't that? Here's What <laughs> <is. laughs> like, like, am I supposed to do that information?
1: Right. Right. Um, You know, maybe they're a visual learner and in an inclusive classroom, they have ways to access information in a visual way. It's not necessarily just a teacher on a blackboard. So what you end up seeing is that every student benefits from a student with a disability being in the classroom. And it's quite amazing to see. And um, in the film, we show it at the Henderson School in Action.
0: I, I love that. And I, you know, I, my daughter has different services that are given to her to help her because of the way she learns. And she does have kids because she's in a classroom with, with everyone, right? There's a lot of kids who are not on an IEP or like, well, that would help me learn that. Why, why do I not have access to that? And it almost like you were saying, it's like, rather than separating going, these kids need this and these kids don't it's going, you know what? All kids could benefit from this. So let's provide it for all the kids, and whoever needs it or wants it can use that, and if they don't, they don't, right? Because then it doesn't separate the kids going, okay, just you three come here and do this. It's like whoever wants this way, come with us, right? And it's all of a sudden it does become far more inclusive, Um And there's so much value to being in a classroom with kids with all different abilities and all different colors and all different shapes and all different everything, because we're all humans. And so when we start stigmatizing and valuing and rating humans against humans, we lose that humanity of everyone, don't we?
1: Exactly. I I think the best example I've heard while making the film is that the physical manifestation of an inclusive classroom is like a wheelchair ramp. You know, wheelchair ramps were there to provide accessibility to people with wheelchairs, but as a walking person, um, I find them very convenient and better than stairs. And I use the wheelchair ramp all the time.
0: (laughs) Especially when I'm carrying something heavy.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you
0: for that. Agreed. So it's not like this is just for you. This is like, we are creating something. That's a really great example. I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, how do we find your movie? So, do, our
0: movie yeah.
1: So the movie is uh, it's a feature-length documentary. It's available on um, streaming. It's on Vimeo, uh, Amazon Prime. You can go to our website and get the links. It's also available, I believe for a limited time for free on Tubi which is um, showing the film with some advertising, but it's available for free, so that's exciting. And then you can also get the DVD and there's an educational DVD as well for teachers in schools that wanna um, keep the film in their library and show it uh, to their students or uh, fellow educators.
0: That's fantastic. And I will share all the links in, in the show notes so people can go find that. What is one thing that you want parents to take away from this episode?
1: Um Well, I think you know, looking back on uh, my own journey, I think the strongest uh, piece of advice I could give would be to trust your gut. Um, I know it sounds very really simple, but there's a lot of people along the way that tell you you know you're doing it wrong or you're, or you're, um, you know your, your way of thinking is wrong, but it's a feeling you have as a parent, and you have to listen to it because at the end of the day you know you're the one responsible for the child so and you know your child best so um you know trust your gut and and move forward
0: that is really great advice because i think people we start questioning ourselves right when Mm -hmm. everyone's telling us one thing and it is very true change wouldn't happen if we just went along with what everyone else was telling us right very true thank you for what you're doing and bringing attention to this and creating some change that is desperately needed. Really appreciate that. And thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. It's great Absolutely. to be here.
0: Absolutely. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at askdrcam.com parentingtips parenting tips. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.